0: Hey, what's up? It's Brad from the Heckler. Hope you're doing well. Uh, it is uh, Sunday night, and I'm continuing our our uh, series. Uh, we have it's still technically under the Fans and Cool Places banner, but uh, we've been doing it more as a uh, what I'm calling a wellness check, checking in with friends and recording it. Because why not? We all have a lot of time on our hands right now. So you might as well uh, have more and more content to choose from. Um, I just uh, concluded a quick wellness check with my good friend Nick Friedel from uh, ESPN, NBA uh, writer. He's currently based in San Francisco where he was sent to cover the Warriors. It was fun and entertaining last year for him. This year, it's been a little bit tough, and now it is completely uh, shut down. So we'll see how all that goes through. But we had a really good conversation. We talked about how he's spending his time uh, living in uh, a penthouse suite at the Ritz-Carlton while he's on quarantine. Uh, That may or may not be true. You'll have to listen to find out. Uh, We talked about how he thinks a lot of the players are staying in touch with each other, and it's not Through ways you would maybe suspect, we talked about Rudy Gobert and uh, how his positive coronavirus test uh, impacted the league. And uh, we talked about a lot of other great stuff. We talked about his time coaching the or coaching, uh, reporting on the Derrick Rose led uh, Bulls and what 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 uh, could have gone better there with the level of talent that they had. Uh, we talked about a lot of great stuff. Nick's an awesome guy. Uh, like all of us, he's just trying to, uh, stay sane during this insanity of the, uh, quarantine. So give it a listen, please, uh, subscribe review. Um, what else do you do? Share it with friends. All that stuff would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're gonna have a quick uh sponsor break and we're going go to go to my interview with Nick Friedel from ESPN enjoy
1: all right <laughs> i'm here with my good friend Nick Friedel ESPN what's your title reporter writer personality <laughs> well you're married to the personality i, I am married i'm to just the been... personality <laughs> I'm just an NBA reporter who NBA covers reporters. the Warriors now. Covers the Warriors, based in San Francisco. Now, um, you are quarantined in your. What? What? How large is
0: your? Uh, it's, a, it's a penthouse on the top floor <laughs> of the ritz Carleton, right? Isn't? Is it the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco? Oh, uh, um,
1: be! I wish we. No, it's 800 square feet. So I have empathy 8, 000, for anyone. 8,000. square feet. No, not 8,000. Not 8,000. I have empathy for anybody who <laughs> feels like they're stuck in their house and it's getting smaller by the day. Because I am stuck in this apartment and I sit here and I go, oh, oh. oh, oh. Uh, so it's You've been going for smaller walks every day. You've been going for walks or anything? I've been going for walks. I've been going for walks. And it's, it's interesting because in the first couple days out here, there were very clearly two sets of people when you went out for walks. One was the group that was defiant. Like, this thing yeah. isn't going to stop me from from doing my regular, my my regular, be on my regular schedule and, and do live my normal life. And the other group, If you're walking down the sidewalk, they're kind of looking at you going, okay, uh, well, we got to keep our six feet distance in between each other, so let's not get too close here. So uh, I think as the days have gone by, at least in San Francisco, I'm starting to see more people out just walking or trying to get their jog in or trying to walk their dog. But you can just tell that the people already are starting to go stir-crazy a little bit out here because this is like day 11 out here. I feel like I've been in my house for almost two weeks and the shelter in place has been in effect a little longer out here than it has in other places. So that's been, that has been a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. So how are you persevering? How are you staying sane? Well, see, I... I... (laughs) Is this your way of saying you're not? (laughs) Uh... I, I I was doing great for the first week because I I had structure, So there was a yeah. little gym in my apartment that that was staying open, and it was kind of funny because some of the younger Warriors players they lived in my building, and I'd seen a couple of them oh, in no, the actually- gym or in the grocery store, and so we would give each other the nod and the what's up. Just okay, we're all in this together. And then a couple days ago, the gym shut. And then oh. <laughs> then I got I started to get a little more worried because I, I had the routine down. I would go to the gym, I would come back, take a shower, I'd go to the grocery store, get my food for the next couple days, wash my hands a bunch of times, and and I there was there was some consistency. It. And once the gym right. shut, I went. Oh no, no! So, that has been a struggle, and <laughs> the consistency part has really—it's—it's—it's uh, it, been elusive in the last few days. It's been a struggle for me to to find my way, but I'm I'm doing much better. I've been getting out and just walking by the the water and seeing other people has been good because uh, a shout out to all the. The single non married people that are stuck right. in quarantine B. that that is <laughs> that that may be the biggest challenge of all because you're sitting watching, there and you're calling your friends, your FaceTime yeah. with family, and everything, but it's not the same as seeing another human being uh, on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I was um, watching a some video
1: interview earlier with two female comedians. One of them, one of them was
0: married, the other one wasn't, and the one wasn't married said so she had
1: friends. But she, I think, was doing this. But, but um, they were. She was just like trying to strike up conversations on dating apps just to like break through the monotony. She said a couple of her friends actually, against everyone's best advice, went and met up with people, which is oh, I boy. can't imagine. Yeah, a, a quarantine hookup. That seems like a bad idea. Oh boy. Well, you know, desperate times. I don't know what they say, but that's not for me. I'm I'm gonna stick in my stick in my apartment until. What, what about the what about some
0: weird. of the what
1: about some of the NBA players who live in your building? Do you think they're adhering to that as well? Uh, yes, I do actually. I think in the moment, right now, there are so there are so few answers for so many people, and right. and I think everybody's trying to lay low. I think for a lot of guys, it has been. It hasn't been the dating apps, it hasn't been uh, trying to meet people somehow, it's been video games. I think throughout the league, video games have become this the, the, this kind of socialization even more than before. Uh, and it's interesting because I had started to work before you know, the NBA's started the season on this, this story about the gaming culture within the league. And in the last few days on social media, especially with the younger players, see all these guys saying, hey, this is my gamer tag, or hey, this is what uh, we're doing right now. You can click in to see what they're playing and Mm -hmm. who they're playing against. So that's been interesting, Uh, just kind of as an offshoot to what's going on. But I think in the moment, that is what has taken up a lot of guys' time. You don't have an Xbox, do you? No. No, I just got Netflix one. again like a one. month and a half ago. You should what no, that? No, 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 no. You no. should get one, and then you can hop into competitions with these players and try to get some scoop. Yeah, They're and you not get getting... demolished the Call of Duty, of which I've never played <laughs> before. I <Yeah>. uh no. <laughs> Tariq, Tariq Cohen posted a Call of Duty uh, uh, game the other day that he was playing either with. Or against uh Benny Cunningham who was here with the Bears for a couple of years and uh it looks super violent. That game is yeah uh, that that's not in a time like this when everyone's freaking out about everything that's going on, I would not want to play or
0: participate in anything with the least bit of violence. Maybe that's just me. But uh Well,
1: let's take let's take the opposite end of that argument though. It's anything to take your mind off of what's actually going on. So, for some people, maybe yeah, that's, that's fair. what it is. I guess if you're uh, if you're avoiding groupies, we did a heckler article a couple weeks ago um, about the NBA issuing uh, guidelines asking their players to have fewer groupie hookups, and a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people thought it was real, which was funny. Um, but I am curious about how that like the social aspect of people you know like players in the NBA who are super social if they if they no longer can uh have that aspect of their lives i guess if, if they're just playing call of duty then that's what it is well FaceTime it can be a beautiful thing sometimes The i'm sure yeah i'm sure that that there's got to be a way for, for guys to still feel connected in different spots so right <sighs> I mean, you know, it's it's tough out there for everybody though. It's truly like on a serious note. In the last few weeks, the the craziest part to me is, and I, I've been out here in the Bay Area, uh, around the Warriors, who had a long homestand prior to this really becoming an issue within the country. They they really didn't know anything either. The the it, it was like uh, it was like us, magazine. It was like right. NBA stars. They're just like us. Nobody really had any kind of clue exactly how bad this was. Yeah, what do you think turned around? When Gobert got diagnosed? Yeah, I mean, when the the history books are written on this chapter in American history, Rudy Gobert is going to be featured very prominently. And it's been said a lot of times in the last few weeks, but truly, like, Uh, You know, so many people have replayed that video of him rubbing all the recorders, but he and he and the fact that he uh, tested positive when he did saved a lot of lives in this country, a lot of lives, because for a lot of people, Gobert's test and the fact that it was positive and the fact that the NBA then shut down woke a lot of people up because yeah, so many people are like, ah, it's just the flu. It's not that big of a deal. And when Gobert tested positive, everyone went, whoa, whoa, no more NBA. What is going on? So yeah, if, if there can't be a silver lining in that sense, I think that's exactly what that was. And I'm sure when the movies get made on this moment, that scene of the Thunder's team doctor running out to the floor, and uh, Gobert sitting in uh, a hotel room somewhere in Oklahoma City uh, are going to be featured very prominently. Yeah. Well, I, I, when the when the NBA and then the NCAA when the, when they start talking about you know playing the games without fans, I was like that's stupid on a lot of levels. One of them being like the players and everyone in the arenas can still be you know exposing each other to this and. I got to. I mean, I got to think that as soon as Ro, uh, Gobert was diagnosed, that's when they all decided that was they were not going to play games without fans in the stands. Oh yeah, for sure, uh, for sure, because there was that risk of okay, well, uh, just just how 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 bad is this for everyone else and, and for anybody who comes in to contact with, with somebody who has the virus. And, and, you know, that's the 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 saddest part for so many people is even now, a couple of weeks later, we still don't have all the answers. We still don't have uh, all the tests. There's still so much uncertainty about exactly how all these different people may or may not be able to get it. And when's the next time we're going to be able to have a sporting event with sand all over the place? There are just so many questions. But, yeah, there there is no doubt that, that that was the tipping point. And I can tell you, just anecdotally, uh, for myself, in the last in those last couple days, those last couple Warriors games, there was one on a Saturday, and there was one on a Tuesday the night before. Go Bear tested positive. Myself and some of the other writers are just looking each sort other of like, "What are we doing here? You know, you're not supposed to be around that many people, and yeah. here we are." In the arena, I, it was just it, it was a it was a really rough time, and uh, in so many ways, again, Rudy Gobert uh, that the fact that if that test came back the way it did it, it made people rethink just how scary this whole thing was for the country. Yeah, and did you see his Instagram post a couple days ago? I did, yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought he handled it. I thought he handled that as well as he could. For sure, I'm sure he's embarrassed. The whole world is uh, is replaying that that clip, yeah. and you know he went, after, after it he, happened. right. That's just the way. After that happened, that's just the way that that that's. That's about as good as you could have expected given the circumstances from the yeah. handle it that way. Um, if you were one of the reporters whose recorder or microphone got touched by Gobert, uh, and what, what's your, what's your range of emotions from when that happens to then? Cause it sounded like the people were sort of laughing at it in the media room. So then, so then there's that. And then whatever, a day or two later he gets, however long he gets diagnosed. What's, if that, if one of those, if that's, one of your reporters that he that he touched. How? What's your reaction? Well, I know. In just reading some of the tweets from some of the jazz reporters, that they took it to mean that he was kind of in solidarity with the reporters, like yeah. ah, this thing isn't that big a deal. It will kind of blow over. But uh-huh. once okay. he did test positive. Yeah, you've got to be just terrified, like, well, is it going to happen to me? Am I, am I going to get this too? And then what happens? So right. the, the whole scene was surreal. All these people are getting tested in the locker room that night in Oklahoma City. And, uh, you know, you're you're just, you're trying to process it all. And I, I think for the entire league, at least for the NBA, everybody's still trying to process it. You know, what happens right. next? When do the games come back? Do the games come back? Uh, the more you read, the more you hear, the more it sounds like that is a really big question if, if games will be played at all for the rest of the year uh, it's just that right. nobody knows for sure and, and that's what let's let's say that that like all these um you know quarantine restrictions start to ease up as diagnoses go down, which who knows that could be a month from now, right like or a longer nobody knows, but what's your estimation on like once Once there's a green light on that, assuming the NBA is going to try to go forward with an abbreviated schedule or whatever, how long do you think it would take to get players in shape? I would think it would take at least a couple weeks, and that's probably being generous because the 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 league has shut down all its facilities, and nobody, unless you have a a private gym of your own. your own floor in your house, and a lot of guys do. But unless you have that, you're just not able to work out the same way. You're not able right. to to stay in shape to to go play an NBA game. So, uh, you know, I know there's there's a lot of speculation, and that's all this is in the moment. But there's speculation. Okay, well, <laughs> what what happens? Is you just go straight in the playoffs, and the issue there is. All these teams, whether you're going to the playoffs or not, are going to need time to get back into some kind of rhythm. So, uh, I think that's a big factor. And and B, let's be honest, the other big factor, tough factor, is money. Uh, Right. I remember Rick Wells, he's the the team president of the Warriors, and he was honest in his press conference uh, when the topic of the financial implications came up, and that press conference took place. Wednesday afternoon prior to Gobert testing positive and the league shutting down. And and Wells' point at that press conference was simple. He's like, look, you miss one game, and that's multi-million dollars.
0: You miss right. several
1: games where you don't have a game and, and the arena shut. That is tens of billions of dollars. So the amount of money that the league is losing right now and that – that various teams around the league are losing is just astronomical. So, yeah. in a best case, I I would still think that each team would play a few games uh, if if they're able to come back this year, just because the, all these owners would want at least a couple extra dates to to make some of that money back. And then, do you think? I mean, are players going to be comfortable, like even even playing? Like, I mean, you you know, you I don't know how old you were when Magic Johnson was diagnosed as HIV positive, whenever that was, like ninety two or whatever. I, have, I don't know. ninety one. Yeah, 91, I, was, I, I was like seven. Okay, so you don't. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit older. Seven than or eight. Life. Yeah, and um, you know, player the, the people didn't know
0: much about it's, you know, how it was transmitted back then. So I remember, you know, high profile players being like, I'm not sure I want to play against them. They're
1: like what happens if he gets cut, you know, whatever. So like, here's, here's this virus that we don't know much about that is clearly very easily transmitted um, through just everyday activities. Our players going to want to be, you know, banging up against each other and, and, uh, you know, in each other's faces when you've got this communicable, communicable disease out there? That's, if the biggest question B is, when are they going to play again? The second biggest question, 1A is, are the players going to want to play again, knowing that there's still so much uncertainty surrounding the virus? And right. I, I I don't think anybody has that answer right now. That's the biggest issue that the NBA is facing, that baseball, hockey, uh, all these leagues right now are going through. Is because right. let's say, let's play it out, and let's say a few months go by, and the, the country feels like it has it under control. That that uh, by some miracle, in the next few weeks, few couple months, everything is in a little bit more order, and people's minds are a little bit more at ease. So what happens during that first NBA game that if there are no fans around where they're playing just as hard as ever, and a day or two goes by and another player gets sick? Does yeah. that restart the clock on everything? I mean, and, and that's the issue that the question that nobody has, answer to in the moment and that is what's tough and you know you're trying to predict the future and see what's going to happen there are just so many questions here uh, about uh, the next steps but but to your point that's the one of the the single biggest ones are players going to want to play if there's still a chance or there's still that uncertainty that uh, they could uh, get the virus and and then uh, be be struggling on their own. Right. Yeah, I mean hopefully as testing becomes more prevalent and more efficient. I read
0: something today about some I don't remember where it was, some hospital group um that was working on a test that gave results the same day. because right now it seems like it's a two or three day wait often. Um, you know, things like that might help. But yeah, it's uh it's a pretty scary premise. And I feel like, you know, in, throughout history, I'm assuming that when things happen like big disruptions happen in people's lives in a lot of people's lives, your first reaction is always like okay well how
1: how long if we can get things back to normal and that's uh that's as big a question mark now as it was two weeks ago for sure for sure and i you know as as, as somebody who has grown up loving sports and uh, my whole life calendars based on what events are taking place or what games are, are coming up on a personal level it's totally throwing me right. I'm a sports fan first and foremost I love watching all these different teams play but you know professionally I'm going okay well what happens if if they don't come back this year and and it's wearing on me because I I'm, I'm turning on the team and I'm, I'm watching ESPN and I'm watching all these different games and I'm going, man, I I miss this stuff, you know, and nobody, yeah. that that is so difficult to kind of to handle because nobody knows when it's going to be normal again. And B, that's the part to me that I'm almost most scared about is because what does normal look like if and when they do start playing again? Right. You know, how yeah. many times did you and I go out to Wrigley and go watch a game? And you know, you're sitting there with thirty-five, forty thousand other people drinking your beer and, and having fun. Is, is that going to happen again? Right. Uh, at least in the short term. I mean, I, you know, nobody, nobody knows for sure, and that right. is disconcerting, and especially for somebody who makes their living following sports uh, there, there's a lot of of worry that goes with that for sure oh, that's a very, very terrifying thought <laughs> um so uh let's let's do a couple rapid fire questions about about your career under more no, normal circumstances um what so uh you know, a lot of people in chicago know you from your time covering the, the Derrick Rose Bulls um what how would you how would you summarize uh how how that experience was for you it's the reason i'm sitting in san francisco right now that is for sure uh the opportunities that i had covering that team both when derrick won the mvp and and the league was going crazy around him, and, and then he got hurt. It gave me chances to to do different things that uh, I don't know if I would have gotten the chance to do otherwise. I mean, to watch those old Bulls teams, the first couple years of tips, and it wasn't just Derek, it was Joe Noah and Luval Dang, and Todd Gibson, and, and that whole crew. To watch them grow. The way that they did and play the way that they did, and then to just not disappear because with Tibbs they always played hard, but just not reach that level that so many people thought they could uh, in in winning another title. It was it was a reminder that you can't predict anything in sport, Truly, right? I mean, I, I enjoyed the the part of it uh, where I got to do more stuff and. And it was fun watching a winning team and, and getting to know those guys on a personal level. But it was it was that reminder that as good as things seem to be in the moment, one, nothing lasts forever, and two, you just can't predict how it's all going to turn out. And over time, the fact that Derek got hurt the way he did, and he got hurt again, uh, it, it just it shows me both as a fan and as a journalist covers sports you've got to enjoy the good times when you got them because they're yeah. bleeding and you don't know when they're going to come back that's uh pretty poignant for everything that's gone right now too do you, do you keep in touch with any of those uh any of those players or
0: coaches from that from those teams
1: for sure you know, not on any kind of regular basis but that part to me, on a on a human level, on a personal level, is still awesome. But if I see Derek, uh, we always have a minute or two just to catch up, check out everything. If I see uh, my old pal kids, <laughs> we always we always end up getting into a uh, a yelling match at times about something from the past, but it's always you know followed by a smile. From something else that was good, even uh, you know, seeing the impacts of Gar over time, and all my old friends within the organization, there is that respect level that comes for both a team that has success, and, and for people like my uh, people that do what I do, uh, journalists that are around them, because you're there every single day live it with them and to be in that moment it was it was just special they they did not win a title no but they brought a lot of joy to a lot of people in the city uh, and the Bulls fans who have supported that team all over the place and that part is cool and so you know, 10 years later at this point and that's crazy I, I started yeah. in Chicago I mean I I damn it's almost 11 years but to to know that you were part of that and to still see those guys and have those relationships. Uh, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you mentioned GARPAC. Are you surprised that they're the last two standing here in Chicago? No, 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 no. Uh, come on now, B, you know that if Jerry Doors, and, uh, that, that group, if they are anything, anything, they are loyal to a fault. Uh, you know they are loyal, and I do think, uh, seemingly like the rest of the world, the change is going to come whenever the end of this season appears. Uh, exactly what that looks like, we'll, we're going to all find out. Uh, but I'm not surprised that he stuck with them this long. I, this is how the organization operates. That's how. Jerry and and now Michael that's how they operate so uh, you know uh, everybody can scream and yell as much as they want but they don't own the team they don't run the team and this is how they choose to do business so I've said it millions of times at this point the last couple years as as much as uh, darn packs I know want to win I just think it's time for a new voice Within the organization, but uh, you know that the fact that they're there and the fact that it has been status quo for so so long is is not surprising at all. Right. Um. If you could go, if 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 you had the power to take things back in time for the Bulls, other than Obviously, other than Derek getting hurt, what what are some things you think they should have done differently? Hmm. There's a there's a good one. I have I haven't, I haven't thought about that in a while. I I think the the one thing they needed all along was that extra piece uh, next to Derek, and and who that was. I I I don't know who they legitimately could have gotten in the moment. Because if we're going all the way back in time, let's remember, right. there were a lot of people in the Bulls organization we thought that Bosch and Wade were coming there, and maybe LeBron, but right. they, there were plenty of people, and this was about 10 years ago, We thought Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade were coming to the Bulls, and it didn't happen.
0: And so I they that built happening. that
1: team. I, and, yeah. I felt At sorry. the time, I felt like that was all just a dog and pony show. No, I mean, I look like truly. Even now, when you talk to uh, some some old players and and some people within the organization, they thought that those two guys were on the way, and maybe they could land LeBron. But you know, after that, uh, who who would have been the fit? I, I I always thought that team was a piece away. You know, right. could rip Hamilton and that that. The 2012 playoffs have stayed healthy, and then that difference maker, I, you know, knows at this point. But could Carmelo have actually signed in that one year? Could Carmelo, when he was still a really, really good player, could he have helped them get past Cleveland? Maybe I, I, right. I will never know for sure. But to right. me, even now, as great as that team was. I always felt like they were one piece away. And I'm not sure even when you're playing back all the different moves and, and what could have been. I mean, <laughs> the thing that comes to my mind and makes me laugh is maybe you start Corver instead of Keith Bogans for those six minutes in the, the first and third quarter like this always used to. But, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah. I don't remember Keith. Keep Bogan started all her his His kids his is also pretty loyal and <laughs> pretty, I don't remember pretty stubborn that, in uh, his own right. So I but who knows. I, that was that was just a fun team, that was a tough team, and in in so many ways they represented the city and the city I, do, I did not remember. He started every game for the Bulls. There era. you go. There you go. Oh, man. That was back in the Boozer era as well. <laughs> Gal, Kurt Thomas. They were playing uh, NBC Sports Chicago so today was playing um, in 1990. What year would it have been? Uh, I guess yeah ninety ninety six playoff game Bulls against the uh, the Heat and uh, Kurt Thomas was on the Heat back then and anyway like that is stretching it but that hey if I'm if I'm all this conversation for like the sports cast without telling Mister and Greco I'm playing all the old Michael stuff I can get well, for all sure. Michael all the time right now for Like sure. every Michael Jordan. Piece of content that you have, yeah, for sure. And um, like I, I follow um, the NBA
0: alumni uh, uh, Instagram account. They don't have any followers, but like they they have great content, man. They're they're like today the the
1: Bulls were supposed to play the Celtics, so here's a bull Celtics game from 1982. You're like, oh my god, oh, they're playing. They're playing like they're playing like. Like entire
0: quarters of it on on Instagram, so that's a that's a follow that I would recommend if you're looking to kill time. You get like you get like uh, Dick Stockton calling games. Uh
1: well, that's always a, a good thing. Yeah, it's a throwback, man. All right, well, we'll wrap it up here with a couple rapid fire things. Um, through your time in the league, which player had the had surprisingly good groupie game? groupie game. Define groupie game for me. Just, I mean, the guy who just always seemed to have women around him, uh, even if he wasn't maybe, you know, the marquee player on that team or the best looking guy on that team. Oh, man. This is going back in a little bit of time, but, uh, I like I just seeing these guys in public a few different times, yeah, I'll, I'll give you two answers here because girls just like they adore joking. They they flat out adore King though. Sure. Anywhere <laughs> anywhere he went <laughs> oh my gosh, like it was it was unbelievable. Uh but uh an under the radar guy who I always respected both so, and the way he played and and just seeing him and in, uh, in and around and, and how he treated people, and I think uh, that that kind of uh, opened him up to having a lot of, of uh, a lot of fans, a lot of female fans, and just again in those social interactions that you would see. You remember Ronnie Brewer? Oh yeah, Ronnie. Ronnie just was a really solid guy, but uh, I can remember that, you know, he he just he had a way about him in those in those moments where, where there'd be all these players all over the place. So it's always be like, Okay, Ronnie, what do you thing. So I always respected that about Ronnie Brewer. Well uh that's impressive. Um, he wasn't
0: was he the guy who had the, the baby mama drama with Floyd Mayweather? Who was I, that?
1: I don't believe Oh, that was uh C J Watson. That was CJ. Yeah. Alright. Uh I remember you also one time telling me that uh the Turkish hammer, Omer Asik had a uh, pretty good pretty good groupie game. Omer. there. Omer is a really good dude. I remember I think it was our pal John Timber said that He's in w- Wicker Park one day, <laughs> and Omer and uh, his girlfriend are just riding around on bikes. Just people are like Omer, and he's like, "What's up?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not sure exactly how how that translated, but uh, but Omer, man, he's a good guy. All those guys wanted to mess with him, but they respected him, and uh, <laughs> it goes to show. I mean, I I think that's the the cool part for me is, you know, 10, to 12 years later, you like to think you know the guys who are genuine. Because even in my right. job, in, in my position, you never know for sure. Uh, there are certain guys that, that you grow closer to than others, but you never know for sure which guy is uh, truly who they appear to be. But most of the guys on those teams were were seemingly pretty genuine dudes. And I... I appreciated that dealing with them on a regular basis, and, and even more seeing them now. Awesome, good to know, man. Uh, all right, a couple other rapid fire ones. Um, who's the best? The best interview you've done? Oh man, just a one-off or like over time? Uh, like one of each. Okay, a one-off would be Michael because it was after a Bobcats game that year Derek was about to win the MVP. And he was in the hallway after a game in Charlotte. And I had that – remember that old, like, radio box, the recording device I used to carry around? Yeah. I had that with me. And I had, like, the microphone, and I'm like, Michael, Michael, I, you guys are going to have the 25th anniversary of uh, the the first title team. Can I ask you a question? like, all right. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm I'm about to talk to Michael Jordan, and I asked him about that. And I was like, oh, and by the way, do you think that Derek's going to win the MVP? He's like, that's not about the reunion. <laughs> 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 and, and I was like, no, it's not, but I'd still like to know. We talked uh, when we were standing there. To me, that's the coolest. And then over time, uh, I would say I would say Joe Keene when he wants to be on is still to me one of the most entertaining and interesting athletes out there. Uh, Jim Butler has always been very honest <laughs> when, when we've talked and. Uh, in the last year or two, of being out here, I really enjoyed talking to Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, I think that he he gets a bad rap because of the burner accounts and and some of the things that he said and, and the blow up with, with the media last year. But I'd say this: at all all the players that I've dealt with on a kind of regular basis, I have never been around a more accessible superstar, and. B, that guy watches basketball constantly. He knows yeah. numbers. He knows who can play. He knows who can't play. He is a really interesting guy to talk to when he wants to talk. And and look, if Kevin Durant taught me anything, it's that NBA players are human beings just like all the rest of us because there are good days, there are bad days, uh, there are times when... When he's doing stuff, you're like, "What?" And there are times he's doing stuff on the floor where you're like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's unbelievable!" So uh, he he uh, is really he like super. Know, he seems super sensitive, right? And hyper aware of maybe maybe too aware of like people who are who are dogging on him, right? Is that I, him I, I'd say he's he's yeah. I mean, I'd say he's really, he's incredibly aware in that. I've never been around somebody of of his caliber who who pays attention as much as he does to what is said about him to, to what uh-huh. you're saying. But I'd also say this: there are so many guys in the league who who will say, "Oh, I, I don't pay attention to that. I don't I don't care about." It. That's not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost all these guys they they know what's said and they know what's written and even more. Their their families, their their friends they know what's said and written. So while Kevin is more outward about it, and and some of that stuff definitely gets under his skin, my argument back would be, hey, look, like maybe he just doesn't cover it up as well because so many other guys, they all they are all paying attention to what's uh, being said about them. Uh huh. So then, who's who's? What's the worst interview you've done? Either person you've had to interact with a bunch who was always difficult and never gave anything, and or just the worst like one-off interview. What comes to mind? Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't even say basketball because for the most part, I've had pretty good interactions with a lot of guys. The worst one ever was uh, Jabba Chamberlain. You remember him? Oh, yeah. The old Yankees pitcher? I had gone to some event. It was like a, I want to say Powerade was sponsoring some mm-hmm. event at Disney World. This is when I was freelancing, still living at home in Orlando. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, uh, go talk to Jabba for like you know uh, a few minutes and ask him a few questions about what's going on. He just couldn't have cared less.
0: <laughs> but he was at the, he was at the event as like a celebrity and yeah, yeah, and yeah. Asked to try to get like, some I content. played
1: horse against Dominique Wilkins and Java oh Chamberlain was supposed to, to meet fans and, you know, throw some pitches off the mound. And I mean, he could not have cared less. And and I went, you know, I hope all these guys aren't like this over time. But it, it, when you said that, that's what immediately jumped to my mind because, you have guys in the NBA who have bad days and guys just who aren't very friendly. But on the whole, even those right. guys don't usually give you something. Like Jabba Chamberlain, though, he just could not have been more of a this kind of pompous guy in that moment. Maybe I just caught him on a bad day. I don't know. But, man, that was, it was not good. I feel like he had the reputation for being difficult. If I remember correctly, uh, I, I try to block it out. The only thing I remember <laughs> about Java Chamberlain at this point is when the the those bugs were crawling on him in, in Cleveland <laughs> during the playoff series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guess he got what was coming to him. Mm-mm-mm. Cool, man. That's all I got. You got any parting shots? Anything you want to add? You're the man. You are the man. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, well, thanks, Nick. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time for the wellness check, and uh, we'll we'll have to stay in touch because uh,
1: it's, it's, we we all gotta uh, you know keep an eye out for everybody right now more than ever. <laughs> hey, you know where to find me, and I'll be here in your <laughs> Just give in me your a call. Uh, your penthouse suite at the Ritz. <laughs> B, all this has done is motivate me even more to try and do anything I can to, to make a little bit more money and have a little bit more space again in, in life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sarah and I have, uh, you know, we're in a house and that's nice. I'm, I'm on one floor and she's on the other. That that's, that's the key, <laughs> the key to a good The key to a good quarantine is enough space. All right. There you have it. My, uh, Exclusive Wellness Check interview with Nick Friedel. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We'll have more coming out just as fast as I can get them done. Um, Please, as I say uh, throughout these uh, podcasts, please subscribe, rate, review, share, all that stuff. Help us grow an audience with this because... I'm enjoying doing it, and I got nothing but time on my hands right now with the uh, quarantine. So uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate it.